Hello, and welcome back to Making Sense of Money, a podcast dedicated to making financial topics easier to understand. I'm Jake Hamilton. Last episode, we talked with IDFPR's Carrie Beyer about mortgages. If you're interested in buying a home or refinancing, uh, go check it out. And I'm Nikki Jankola Shanks. Um, we had originally planned to discuss redlining this episode with a few special guests, but we've had to rearrange our schedule. So be on the lookout for that in the future. But today we're going to pivot to talking about pet insurance. And I'm Andrew Pellegrini. If you've been listening to our podcast for a while, you know that Jake, Nikki, and I are all very proud pet owners, and we're joined today by my colleague in University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign, Presley Fee from the Financial Planning Program. Presley, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit and talk about what you do? Absolutely. So I am the Digital Financial Planning Program Coordinator at the University of Illinois. Um, so that means that I manage all of the digital assets for our program, um, meaning I'm in charge of e-techs that we've created for classes in addition to managing our agri agriculture-focused financial planning designation. Um, and I'm also a lover of all pets. And since we're talking about pet insurance, let's start out by talking about um, our pets for a little bit so people understand why we may care about this topic. So I have a two-and-a-half-year-old rescue pup. She'll always be my puppy. Her name is Leia Hermione which is definitely for Princess Leia from Star Wars and Hermione Granger from Harry Potter because my husband and I are nerdy, but nerds are amazing. <laughs> um, she is a snuggler. Uh, she loves, she does not like being alone. She was a puppy during COVID. So that has definitely um, impacted how, how attached she is, I think. Uh, and she's also a fabulous big sister to um, our daughter, Carissa, who's 14 months old. So uh, Leia really, really appreciates that Chris is now eating people food because she also likes to feed Leia. So, yep, she's our, she's our pup. Sound, sounds like they're fast friends. But uh, I, I, should, I should talk about my, our little dog. Um, I own a little black Pomeranian with my significant other. Her name is Pixie. She's 11 years old. She's going to be 12 this summer. Uh, she's seven pounds. She's real tiny, um, but she's just a little ball of black fur and sass. Um, she's a city girl, um, born and raised on the streets of Chicago. Um, so she's got a lot of attitude in that little body. Um, she likes to pretend like she's the biggest dog at the park at all times, but um, she's great. We got her in 2020 um, when I was working from home. So she also does not like to be left alone, but she's great. We love her. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, I, from Pixie, I have a 70 pound greyhound who's a retired racer and she is 10 and a half. And we adopted her when she was three. She had just gotten off the track and gone through a prison program where inmates taught her how to sit, how to walk on a leash, how to stay. She had really good skills. Some of them attributes. She knew more stuff before she came to us. Um, and then 
She still will sit and stay when I tell her, but now she's gotten older and on our walks now, she'd be like, I don't want to, I don't want to keep pace with you. Uh, I want to sniff over here. Uh, the other morning I took her on a walk and she trailed behind me like a sad donkey instead of like a racing greyhound. And I sent a picture to my sister who has a tortoise. And I said, I think my tortoise is slower than your tortoise. And she laughed very hard because I have a racing greyhound. Um, she doesn't really have a lot of like health issues or anything. Greyhounds are bred to be athletes, but some of them end up with bone cancer because it's kind of a recessive trait and because they've paid attention to um, the genetics for racing, not really whether or not they have bone cancer later in life. That is a concern for some owners, but we've been lucky enough to not have that issue. So but I love her. She loves road trips. She's been to both the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans. So, and we're going to take her on another road trip in a couple of weeks. And we're really excited to take her to Michigan. And Presley, um, what about your pets? So I personally only have one dog. Um, her name is Nellie. I rescued her last September. We think she's nine years old. I'm going with nine. We were told anywhere between eight and 11. I think nine is the most accurate. Um, she also walks like a tortoise. Occasionally she will gallop a little bit, but only for her stuffed up, um, not really for anything else. Um, but yeah, she's nine, no major health issues. She has a fatty tumor on her side that is very large. So that kind of like prohibits her walking and running a little bit, but she gets around really well. Um, she may have the beginnings of hip dysplasia or arthritis. We don't know, but getting like, she knows how to sit. She will not sit unless you have a really, really good treat. And then she just does it out of like instinct. <laughs> um, but I live with my cousin and she moved in last August and brought her cat with her. So we have a three-year-old cat named Lou and Lou is a sassy little diva. She runs the home. Um, and then I accidentally found Nellie on Facebook. And so we got Nellie <laughs> in September. Um, and then we went home to our families for Christmas or for Thanksgiving. And my roommate's mom was fostering a puppy. So we wound up with the puppy. <laughs> um, and her name is Sage. And she's like a husky corgi mix, but she's like 30 pounds, very tiny. Her ears are as large as her head. Um, but she is a delight. <laughs> I think when you foster, I fostered six greyhounds and it's hard to not foster fail. So yeah, I, I, got I feel for your family. <laughs> I got a call and she was like, my mom is going to take the dog back. Like I can't let her take the dog back. Someone has to take her. She's very sweet. And then we got her here and she destroyed like all of my books, but it's fine because she's cute. So that's kind of how we got pixie as well like uh we didn't get her from a like i guess we adopted her but we didn't get her from like a shelter or anything um she was just with like uh like a family member of a family member type deal and they had her for a couple years but they were like expanding their family and just like didn't really have the capacity to like take care of her anymore and um you know we had been looking into getting a dog so it was just a good fit um, this is why I don't foster because I would have a thousand dogs. 
We actually had to stop fostering because Unity, my dog, prefers to be an only child. (laughs) Like, she was like, I'll tolerate these other dogs, but she was much happier without other dogs. That's definitely Nellie. Yes. No, see, I think Leia would actually really like it. She loves everybody and she wants everybody to play. I mean, she's very energetic. So she wants to play all the time with every human that comes in the house, any pet, any anything. Um, I don't know how she'd be though, like if there was another dog that she had to share like that cuddles with because she's a snuggler. Like she may not want to share her bed with another dog. Yeah. Her bed being our bed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we could probably talk about our dogs for just an hour straight if we're if we were if we were left to our own devices but since we've all established that we are dog lovers let's talk a little bit about the prevalence of pets in the U.S. before we get into the insurance piece so all four of us are pet owners uh, but it's a pretty common thing dog and cat populations increased from 2016 to 2020 in the U.S. but over that same time there was less pets per household so in 2020 there was an estimation of between about 84 to 89 million dogs in the U.S. and 45% of households own dogs and 65% of that 45% own just one dog. So like me or Andrea or Nikki own just one dog. Um, There were also... Presley technically owns just one dog. That's true. But her household has multiple dogs. Her household is a zoo. (laughs) Um, in 2020 uh, there's estimated to be about around between 60 and 62 million cats in the u.s uh 26 percent of u.s households own cats and of those just 56 percent uh own just one cat and this is kind of an interesting tidbit and i think um maybe presley and i can both speak to this but remote workers um were eight times more likely to get a pet in 2020. So a lot of people stopped going to the office for work and they had more time at home. And then a lot of pets got adopted or bought in that, in that time period. So Presley, with the increase in pet ownership, does it seem like the pet insurance market is expanding? Definitely. Uh, according to an article by MarketWatch that was published in early April, the global pet insurance market size was valued at about $8 billion in 2021. Um, and it's expected to grow to 30, about 32 billion by 2030. So that is incredible growth. And along those same lines, what are some of the, what are, what do you think some of the contributing factors are for that? Yeah. So vet costs are rising, um, making pet insurance more of a necessity for some people. Um, of course, that also provides an opportunity for insurance companies to push new initiatives for selling pet insurance to pet owners meaning they're targeting new markets, new pet owners, um, and new clients, potentially people that had have, have had pets but never owned pet insurance for them before. Um, and pets are also being humanized more, which as a pet owner, I agree with that. I also agree with that. I call my dog, my dog-ter, send in my dog, you're more- as I, I have a daughter and I still say I have two. I love it. I'm pretty sure I referred to myself as Pixie's father in like immediately before we started recording this podcast. 
<laughs> you, you definitely did. All right. So you as a listener might be listening to us and being like, what pet insurance? I'm not sure I'd ever heard of this. So pet insurance is kind of a new phenomenon. Um, so there's some basics of reducing financial risks that might be helpful for us to go to over kind of generally, not just related to pet costs, but general financial risks in other parts of your life. So when it comes to reducing your financial risks, there are four main approaches to reducing financial risks. There's, you can, you can bear all of the risk. So this is sometimes referred to as self-insuring. You uh, save up enough money to be able to cover whatever the potential cost is for uh, financial crisis or tragedy or emergency. Um, and obviously that's going to vary a lot depending on the type of risk you're looking at. Uh, you could alternatively try to reduce or control the risk. So for example, wearing a seat belt would be one way to try to reduce your risk of physical harm if you get into an accident. That is a, a way to reduce or try to control the risk. You can remove the risk completely. So in the case of pets, that means you go without having a pet, no pets for you. That Then there's no risk, right? Or you can transfer or share the risk with a group of people. So in this case, insurance can be used um, to spread the financial risk across a group of people. When we talked about insurance previously, Jake pointed out, uh, why flood insurance or other natural disaster insurance might have to be insured against separately from a homeowner's uh, property insurance policy. Since like a large group of people would be impacted by a natural disaster, it would be difficult to share the risk in that type of situation. Um, University of Illinois Extension, who we've had on as a guest to the podcast before, has this tool called is your financial security at risk that we can put in the show notes that you can use. And that goes through many different considerations for assessing and addressing financial risk that uh, might be helpful for you, especially as we're talking about pet insurance since it's so new and it's hard to kind of guess what the risk is. So that might be helpful for framing how you approach um, pet costs as a typical financial risk for you. So auto and home insurance is required um, either by a law or a lender, but pet insurance is not. And it's something that a lot of times when you buy or adopt a pet, um, they don't even really mention. I know for me, nobody really mentioned it to me. I saw ads for it at my vet's office. Um, so Presley, what type of questions do you think a pet owner should address when deciding which method is best for their situation and managing the financial risks associated with pet ownership. Yeah, so I also didn't know anything about pet insurance. Um, I picked Nellie up from a county pound and they had no paperwork for her though, so I'm not all that shocked that pet insurance wasn't brought up. But the most important things to do before adopting a pet, um, financially of course, would be, you know, are you financially able to afford an unexpected expense you know, you obviously have your monthly, you know, food, just basic care that you, you have to pay for and upkeep for the pet. Um, but if you can't afford a vet bill of 500 to to $1,000, 
where doing so would put you in a rough spot, you might want to consider pet insurance um, and see what your options are with that. Premiums can run fairly low. Um, I know a few people in my personal life that have pet insurance for their dogs and they pay around 20 to $30 a month, um, which is much more affordable than a one-time expense that could potentially you know, derail your financial security. Um, I unexpectedly had an expense, Nellie had a surgery a couple of months ago um, and that was about $300, which obviously didn't like break the bank. It wasn't thousands of dollars, but it was something that I was absolutely not prepared for in my monthly budget that month. I emailed the vet on a Wednesday and on Friday she had surgery. So things like that come up all the time. I had to take Unity to the emergency room um, because she choked on something and we couldn't get her to start breathing again a few weeks ago. We eventually did get her to start breathing before we ever took her, but it was labored breathing. when We did take her and I didn't even have to think twice when they were like, it's $470. Okay. Because I had an emergency fund to cover that. Had I not thought about making sure that my emergency cut fund could cover that, it would have been a lot more difficult of a choice, I think. So along with that, when my daughter Carissa was born, like two weeks later, Leia just started throwing up and throwing up and throwing up and she wouldn't stop. We couldn't get her to stop vomiting. So we ended up going to the emergency room, not once, but twice in the span of two days. Um, and again, like didn't think twice about it because A, it's Leia, like she has to be okay. And B, we did have money set aside for that. Um, she ended up having a parasite. So, you know, that we were able to uh, get medicine for her as well. Um, but, you know, that did prompt a lot of discussions about, do we get this pet insurance? What are we going to do? You know? So, and let me tell you, having a newborn and a puking puppy, fun times. Yeah, that doesn't sound, <laughs> that sounds rough. But yeah, I think as much as we would, in an ideal world, you know, we'd like to keep all of our pets happy and healthy and perfectly safe at all times, but that's just not realistic. I mean, even Pixie, we found out last year has, has her own health issues. Um, you know, she's a little dog with a enlarged heart, or I like to say too big of a heart for her little body, but, um, you know, and so she's had health expenses, you know, we've had her in and out of the vet and she's on medications and things like that. So Obviously, if you're a pet owner, there's some like medical things that are going to come up from time to time. It's impossible to avoid that. Um, but let's talk a little bit about how, you know, pet insurance works. So Presley does, how does the pet insurance actually work? Is it like, is it similar to like human health insurance? Yeah, so it is fairly similar to health insurance plan for humans. Um, there are deductibles, annual or lifetime limits, um, and there could be caps on coverage um, for specific types of insurance, such as accidents or illness. Um, but I will let Andrea share a little story. Um, so my in-laws had a dog. His name was Wilson, and he tore his ACL when he was young. So they paid for reconstructive surgery. Uh, and pretty much immediately after he healed from it, he tore it again, <laughs> chasing a rabbit. Uh, and they were like, we're not paying for it again. You're just going to have to limp and deal with it because we don't want to keep doing this. Um, and I, I think a second surgery may not have been covered in that time frame had they been covered anyway. And it's something that it's, it's important to pay attention to when you're looking at 
the details of your insurance that you're you're trying to buy. Um, I think the biggest difference in human and health insurance is probably the method of reimbursement. So oftentimes uh, with pet in insurance, you will have to pay the vet bill yourself and ask for reimbursement from the insurer. However, with kind of the increased prevalence of pet insurance, your vet may have an established relationship with some insurers. So that might become a lot more likely in the future that they'll direct bill the insurance, but it's something to be prepared for that you still have to front that money and there may be a delay before you're reimbursed with current pet insurance policies. So Presley, what is the average cost of pet insurance? We know that that's probably what listeners really wanna know. Yeah, so it really depends on your pet and the type of policy that you're interested in getting. Um, pet insurance can really cost anywhere from $6 to $155 a month. Um, so it's a pretty big range. Um, most commonly premiums settle around $30 to $50 a month, depending on if you have a dog or a cat. Um, and your premium is what you will pay on a monthly basis for the coverage. Um, while your deductible would be how much you'll pay out of pocket before, before insurance will kick in to cover the rest of your costs. Um, so if you have a higher deductible, your premium will be lower and vice versa. There are a lot of customizable plans that allow you to tailor the policy to best fit your financial situation. Um, so along those lines, a, a factor to consider is whether you want accident and illness coverage or accident only coverage. Um, again, this would affect the cost of your policy, but depending on your pet, it may be something that you feel strongly about one way or the other. It seems like most of the pet insurance policies are for dogs or cats. I think those are probably the most common pets out there for people. Um, do you know if there are any insurance options for exotic pet, pet owners, like people with birds, small mammals, or even like reptiles? I can answer this one since I did a lot of the research on some of the content for today's podcast. Um, there are plans for avian or birds or exotic pets. Uh, they can cover all kinds of animals, frogs and amphibians, chameleons, gerbils, goats, guinea pigs, lizards, sugar gliders. Have any of you seen a sugar glider? They're like cute, tiny little flying squirrels. They're adorable. I haven't seen them, haven't seen them in person, but I've seen the videos where they'll like jump off things and fly to people's hands yeah very cute i had a friend in college whose mom had sugar gliders and i became obsessed with them until i did all this research and you have to handle them like four hours a day for them to stay domesticated i don't have time for that um but anyway you can you can get pet insurance for sugar gliders uh you can also get possums mice tortoises, potbelly pellets, all kinds of things. I had a hedgehog when I was in college. I could have gotten pet insurance for my hedgehog had I been in college like last year. Because I don't think pet insurance would have been avail available, you know, many years ago because I like to show my age sometimes. Um, but I think it's important, even though we've listed all these interesting different types of pets, uh, if you are looking to adopt an exotic pet, make sure to know your local laws so you don't get fined because not every type of pet can be uh, available for you to have in your specific location. Yes, in my specific location, 
snakes are never allowed <laughs> in in the house of nikki the... yeah it's like anywhere where i will be <laughs> okay so you don't want to come over to my backyard there's some, some garter snakes nope no not even a little bit um my niece my twin nieces who i love more than oh i love them for their eighth birthday they're having like a little animal show for their birthday and emma has informed me the only thing she wants for her birthday is for me to hold a snake during the animal show and i told her i love her but i will not be there <laughs> all right but anyway so when you're comparing comparing pet insurance policies much like health insurance policies for humans right there are certain things you should pay attention to or be aware of. Um, what are some of those things when it comes to pet insurance? We probably alliterated to this earlier. You want to know what the benefits are. Is there going to be preventative care covered? Is it just illness only, just accident only? Um, does it have continuous coverage of ongoing conditions? Like if your dog gets diabetes? Or is it going to cover the insulin? Um, also the premium amounts that you have to pay every month, uh, what the max limits or caps are. There might even be age limits that you need to pay attention to. Like Jake and I and Presley all have older dogs, so they might not even qualify for some pet insurance uh, policies. And that's important to pay attention to when you're comparing them. Knowing what the deductible is, if you can adjust the deductible, um, knowing whether or not you're going to have a reimbursement policy or like a co-insurance policy where you pay a co-pay and then there's a direct bill to the insurance or you, maybe you get a card to pay at the time of service to the vet. There might be specific exclusions to pay attention to or waiting periods, especially with that reimbursement. Um, you might also get discounts. There might be special discounts for different types of policies. Maybe you get multi-pet discounts with certain uh, insurers or microchipping discounts, all kinds of things to pay attention to when you're comparing different policies or plans. Yeah, it's a great point, Andrea. And um... Presley, what are some specific questions that might be good to ask when you are comparing plans? Yeah, you definitely want to ask whether or not you'll be restricted to seeing certain vets. Uh, and if you already have a vet, you can check with them directly to make sure that they would accept your insurance or if your insurance would accept them. Um, you also want to know what is and what is not covered. So keep in mind the four general categories of coverage like Andrea has been talking about, accident, illness, wellness, and additional benefits. Um, ask whether or not there's a per incident limit for accidents or illnesses, um, if there are annual or lifetime limits, if there's a waiting period before coverage becomes effective, um, and how long it takes to pay claims. You also want to know their reimbursement policy. Um, so if they reimburse by a percentage amount or if they reimburse according to a benefit schedule, and also how they cover a pre-existing or chronic condition or if that would be totally excluded. Uh, some policies may also have continuous coverage for long-term conditions, so it's important to ask about that as well. And Presley, I'm sure there's obviously many considerations for people when deciding if pet insurance is the right choice for their situation, um, but is there anything else that you'd like our listeners to know? 
Yeah, so I'm going to use my pets as an example um, for some things to consider. So Nellie's roughly nine years old. Um, I adopted her with no knowledge of anything about her background, um, but she has a few different health diagnoses that would make a policy for her very expensive, well over $100 a month. Um, and in the long run, I don't know that that's the best decision for her. She doesn't get into things usually, typically, knock on wood, she has no accidents. Um, and Sage, on the other hand, has accidents multiple times a day. <laughs> um, this morning we woke up and she had chewed the cord off of my roommate's fan that was plugged into the wall. So she definitely got electrocuted. Um, and thank God it was like, it happened quick and we noticed it, um, but she chewed it right in half. So she <laughs> would probably be a good candidate for pet insurance. So I don't think, you know, a policy in general would be a bad idea for her. Um, it would help immensely in those situations where, you know, it's a puppy being a puppy and things like that happen when they're younger. Um, so definitely something that could result in a high vet bill. Um, and I would rather pay the premium every month um, than worry about, you know, a thousand dollar bill coming down the pipe at some point, which with her, it probably is. <laughs> it's a good comparison, Presley. Um I think I can add on that being introspective about the types of treatments that you're willing to put your pet through for whatever potential situation may pop up may help you decide on the level of coverage or type of coverage or policy um, or the method of managing financial risk that's right for you. If you share your pet with someone else discussing potential hardships or difficult decisions before they happen, can make the in-the-moment decisions a lot easier. So um, it's good for when you're financial planning, but as well as when you're dealing with a financial crisis. For example, I shared earlier that my the greyhounds are susceptible to bone cancer sometimes. So personally, I would not want to put my greyhound through intensive radiation treatment. There's no way for me to explain what's happening with her body. You know, if you know anyone that's gone through radiation as a human, you can hear kind of what they go through. And I have a problem just putting a dog through that without telling, being able to tell them, this is probably temporary, you're gonna get better, right? They don't know. Um, so something that I've discussed with my husband is what's the right situation? How are we gonna handle that? And that also impacts our costs, right? And what we have to, we've chosen to self-insure because of our age and whatnot, um, how much we would need to save up for whatever our treatment options are at that time. And we agree on that. And I think that's really important. And not every situation is gonna be easy like mine where I am adamantly against putting my dog through intensive radiation treatment that could be very costly. Whereas some other, um, like for instance, if my husband said, but I would be willing to do that for our dog, um, we would have conflicts and need to decide how to handle that as it came up. But I just wanted to share that particular kind of situation since I've thought about it a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think it's important for like every pet owner to like, especially when you have an older pet to kind of think about, you know, how you're going to approach those end of life situations that come up or, you know, 
towards the end of life situations that come up, you know, with like Pixie, we found out last year, she has a congenital heart disease and, you know, she's on medication for the rest of her life. Um, but, you know, we ultimately decided that like, she's got a lot of life left to live. And like, we didn't, you know, we're, we are fine paying for those monthly medication costs, you know, because she can still live like a happy and like have a good quality of life, um, you know, with that medication. So that was like a factor for us in deciding that. So it's just important to think about those things when you're a pet owner and, you know, whether or not pet insurance is going to be part of that equation for you. But hopefully we've provided some additional information to help um, our listeners to make those choices and uh, make a decision on whether or not they might want pet insurance that can provide for pet costs in the case of emergency or illness. Um, thank you so much for joining us for this discussion and we'll hope you listen to us next time. Um, and make sure you, if you have a pet, make sure you give them an extra hug today. All the pets need all the hugs, even the spiky hedgehogs. As a former hedgehog owner, I just wanted to say that. So thanks to our listeners and Presley for joining our podcast on pets and pet insurance and ways to prepare for potential vet fees uh, and healthcare costs for pets. Please make sure to share and subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify.